All right, Steph, I've got a question for you. What's your favorite book of all time? Uh, obviously, you met her where? Oh, I thought you were going to say the Bible. Oh, oops. <laughs> oh. So what's your second favorite book of all time? You met her where? <laughs> <laughs> a distant second. Totally distant. It's a pretty good book. Sorry, God. It's still a pretty, pretty good book. But we're so excited. Where can people get our book? Honey? Okay, I know this. Uh, Amazon.com. Yes. Barnes & Noble. Yes, and? And our website, KevinStuff.com. And, and what happens if they buy it off our website? <gasps> what do they get? Uh, an autograph from us. Yes. Who wouldn't want that? So, listeners, if you've already read the book, thank you so much. We've had such good feedback. One thing that helps us, if you can give us a review on Amazon.com, we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much, and thank you for listening. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story. Today, we have an awesome conversation with Coach Greg Schiano. Not only does he give us his best Joe Paterno impression, but he also tells us about some wild recruiting trip stories. Hope you enjoy this episode of Tell Us a Good Story. Steph, we had an amazing conversation with Coach Greg Chiano, and our producer has asked us to give the backstory on actually how we got this guest. Mm-hmm. And I think really one reason is because he, like a lot of folks, are shocked about how this person said yes to us. And I am too. I'm absolutely shocked, but I'm so thankful he did. I am as well. And, and this was probably the most nervous I've seen you for a conversation. Yeah. Well, because I didn't want to feel like we were wasting his time. I mean, it's Coach Greg Schiano, right? He's a big deal. He's a big deal. And he could probably be doing so many things instead of talking with us. So I didn't want him feeling like he was wasting his time. I wanted him to enjoy himself. I just wanted him to have a fun conversation and let him enjoy his time with us instead of feeling like he had to spend time with us. Right. So his name came up when we had a conversation with Pastor Greg Ford from mm-hmm. One Church, who had known him when he was living in Columbus and he was coaching High State. He was the defensive coordinator for, I think, three years at High State. So his name came up and I merely thought he might be a great person to reach out to and contact, but I had no idea. No idea how to get his information, contact. And so... I started researching on the internet and somehow came across his executive assistant's email address. And like normal, I have this fear of reaching out to people. Yeah. Right? Especially when it comes to celebrities, big name people, like a coach, Greg Schiano. So put this email draft together and then proofread it probably 10 times, right? And I'd read it like, nope, got to delete that. Got to backspace. Can't send that to him. So finally, got the courage deep breath, <laughs> hit send, and goes to his executive assistant. And, you know, after you hit that send, it's like, okay, too late. It's not coming back. Yep. So then it's like, okay, well, it's probably going to spam the kevinandstuff.com, <laughs> right, email. So not really worried about it. Well, I think it was a week later, we got an email back on our Stephanie 
or kevinandstep.com website, email address. And it said, Coach Yano has said, yes, how much time do you need with him? And at, at that point, <laughs> we were freaking out. I was like, how's three hours sound? Yes, right. <laughs> right. How much time will he want with us? Right. So obviously did not send an email three hours, but I said, can you give us 15 minutes? Right. And so she cleared up 15 minutes on his calendar, had to reschedule actually a couple times. Yep. And it was one of those things where I didn't think it was going to happen. Right. And I never know. And I've even told you this. When we have conversations with most people, I, for some reason, do not know if they're even going to show up, right? Until they actually log into the Zoom And we call, see their face. And I see their face and yes. I'm like, oh my gosh, they actually they actually showed up here, yes. right? And that's what happened with Cochiano. And then, you know, after we get off the phone or the Zoom call, you're like, he actually knew our name. Like, it was incredible, right? Well, and he was, he's the nicest guy. He was nice. the nicest guy. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation we had with him because he's so real. He's so authentic. And it was just the biggest honor to speak with him. And I think he appreciated us not asking him, like, all these football-related questions, right? So we're not asking him about how's Rutgers spring practice going or the recruiting class they just signed or the upcoming schedule that's been released for the Big Ten. We didn't ask him any of that because he, he gets that all day, every day. The questions were more around, what is it like for your family? Being a coach, being a coach's wife, when you get the job and you've got to be at Rutgers or you've got to be at Tampa Bay the very next day, what does that mean for your family? What's that situation like? What's that like for your for your mm-hmm. wife, right? Give us some good recruiting stories. He was a coach on Joe Paterno's staff back in the 90s when they had some incredible teams. And it was like, tell us a story about Coach you know, Joe Paterno. And I think he enjoyed telling those stories and he got comfortable. So we are so excited, listeners, for you to hear this podcast episode. And we're so thankful to Coach Yona for saying yes to us. Hope you enjoy this episode of... Tell us a good story. All right, Steph. I've been so excited. I'm internally squealing right now. (laughs) I'm so freaking excited about this. I am as well. Friends, our next guest is a husband and a father who also happens to be a pretty darn good football coach. For the past 30 plus years, this man has coached at every level of football, from high school to college to the NFL and then back to college. And he's currently the head football coach of Rutgers University. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to tell us a good story, Coach Greg Schiano. Ah, so excited. Thank you, guys. Oh, Coach, thank you for saying yes to us. We absolutely appreciate it. We're excited to talk to you and fascinated by your career, Coach. And of course, you lived in Columbus, which is where we're from right now and where we're currently recording this from. Mm-hmm. You're, you lived here for a couple of years. First thing I want to ask, was there ever a moment you or your family when you moved here were like, okay, these people are crazy about (laughs) Ohio State football. Did you ever have one of those moments when you're out to dinner or movies like, okay, this is another level of intensity? Well, you know, I kind of knew what I was getting into because Urban Meyer was a dear friend of mine and he asked me to come up here and and coach and and I, you know, growing up, you knew what Ohio State football was, right? It It was a big deal, but I don't think until you live in the city of Columbus, do you really understand like that is it. Right. And I did, you know, urban, when he said, Oh, come on up. And I was like, I'm not going to come do that. I'm living in Tampa. I'm living on the water. This is, 
I'm good, good life. I'm good. Yeah. And he <laughs> said, just come up and check it out and see if you, what you think. And, you know, when he started to describe, you know, this is the really the largest city in Ohio and it has no pro franchise. You know, Cleveland has one. Cincinnati has one. The Buckeyes are there. They're it. And That's true. you can really sense that when you, when you live there. Um, so it was, a, it was three seasons that I was coaching there and, um, Actually, my daughter is still my daughter and my wife. My wife commutes back and forth because my daughter's graduating high school this year from Columbus Academy. So she's right. Oh, really? Yeah. So they're still wrapping it up there, and uh, that'll that'll end here in June. Oh, very wow. cool. So we live in the Gahan area. Mm-hmm. So right where Columbus Academy is. So yep. yes, we know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So how is it for your wife being? head wife's football coach, professional collegiate level. How is it for you guys with traveling and trying to get the kids with schools and trying to get homes and trying to handle your personal schedule? How is that for you guys as a family unit? Well, you know, I'm blessed, really blessed to have the wife that I do. Christy is, um, she is taking care of all that stuff because like for years, when you're a football coach, when you leave, it's unlike any other job. Most jobs, you know, you give two weeks or a month's notice. When you're a football coach, you're coaching one place one day and then lickety split, you're in another town and you're starting another program and you're dealing with all. Meanwhile, Christy's back home with the kids and and I was a head coach at an early age. I was a head coach at 34. So we had really a young, young family. We right. actually had our daughter while we were at Rutgers. So it was really cool. We were able to stay at Rutgers the first time for 11 years. And my kids had the opportunity to grow up in a community. So they actually feel like this, at least the oldest three feel like this is home. Um, You know, my daughter, she was in Tampa for four years and then she was in Columbus for four. So I think she feels Tampa and Columbus are her home. Um, So it's interesting. You know, I think when you ask the kids what's home, it's different to everybody. Right. Uh, but Christy's the one constant factor. She would get the school's pick. She kind of had it down to a science. If I was in, interested in a in a job or something, she would know after a while, she knew exactly how to go online, figure out where the best schools were, where we wanted to live, where, and she would figure all that out. And literally it would be like one afternoon, she'd have it set up. We'd look at three or four different places. And generally I, I would say, uh, yeah, yeah, whatever you think. <laughs> There's only one house I bought when I when we were at the Chicago Bears and the whole staff had gotten fired and I had the opportunity to go to the University of Miami as a defensive coordinator. The only issue was my wife was pregnant with Christy was pregnant with our twins. We have twins, identical twins, and we had a little baby at the time. So she went to my mother's and then her mother's on the East Coast. She split the time. And I went to Miami to try to get that thing started and, and get going. I bought the house. It's the only house I ever bought. I bought it unbeknownst to her. Um, really? Oh, yeah. Not a good thing. Not I was going to ask, how did you do? Yeah. I bought a house that no one had lived in. It was like less than a mile from the office in Coral Gables, which is a beautiful town, which we couldn't afford to live in. I couldn't figure out. It was this great house and we could actually afford it. And then I realized no one had lived there for 18 months. So when you move into a house that's been empty for a year and a half, there's some issues, especially when it's not a brand new house. Yeah. So we, we had some, uh, let's call them growing pains in that house, but ultimately it was a great place, great location. And we were there for two years and it was a great two years. 
Did she remind you that you were the one to pick this house out and she was not? Oh, I bet she did. <laughs> Every day, well, probably. And, and sometimes as coaches, you get a little preoccupied. Like That's why I tell our players all the time, I've had some tough days as a coach, but I've never gone to a day of work. This is passion mm. for me. So I lose track of time when I'm doing it. And unfortunately, she was bringing us. She had had the twins. I had gone to Washington. We had the twins in Washington, D.C. at her mother's. But then when it was time to come down with the twins and our oldest son, Joe, um, I lost track of time, unfortunately, getting the house ready. And the movers didn't get there. It, I would have liked to have the movers like set up the cribs and stuff before. Well, they everyone kind of ended up at the house at the same time. And it was this house that I had purchased, which wasn't exactly a great fit. So we have these two newborns. We have a two-year-old. The cribs aren't set up. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're from the north. We had never lived in Florida. And now a lizard, well, there's a group of lizards that were living in the kitchen. So no. they kind of sprang out. And I looked at her. It was it was a it was a tough, tough day there. <laughs> <laughs> so coach, I you know, going along those lines, I didn't even think about that. So yeah, when you get hired, like the next day, you're moving, you're living in a hotel, and it's like, honey. I'll see you in a few weeks. Best of luck to you. Let me know if you know I can call somebody to help. But how do you how do you make that decision then with your wife, family? Does your wife give you like, okay, we are not going to Minnesota or <laughs> South Dakota or how does that work as a coach's wife and you making decisions for your career? You know what we as we went on in our marriage and in our career, we made the decisions much more. Um, we always made them together, but I think we really talked about them much more as time went on. Um, early on, it was just, you know, hard charging, keep going. You know, right. and, um, not that we didn't talk about it, but I think you learn too, right, as you go through it. And I didn't realize, I, I had never been there. Like you said, what happens, you get hired, you got to get to that town to do the press conference. That's the big thing. They got to have their press conference. Right. So, um the one time when when I was out of work, after I got fired at Tampa, I did TV, which is another whole other story. But so I was actually there when the moving truck pulled up. Like, okay. I had never seen any of the moving and all our moves. I had never seen any of it. So, you know, it's easy to say, yeah, you know, you, you, one day you come home and everything's there and that's pretty easy. And she would always tell me, you know, this is hard stuff. Well. <laughs> I saw it in, you know, and I actually had to go do something for work for Ohio State. So I left and I came back and it is an imposing, I mean, that moving truck is humongous, right? And there are just, people are all over your house, just throwing stuff. And I did, I, I was, I told her, I said, wow, this is, this is not what I imagined. So <laughs> right. yeah, a coach's wife, you know, to answer your original question, a coach's wife and your kids eventually, when they get old enough to understand what's, what's going on, it is. It is a uh, a labor of love for a coach, but it better be for their family too, because it's not it's not always the easiest thing. That's for sure. When you get fired from a job, and then the next day you're in another location, as a father, how do you handle that with your children? Because my dad did that; he was a superintendent, and I remember those conversations. Like, I'm leaving my best friends. I'm leaving the home I was growing up in. How did you handle that as a father? It's hard. Yeah. I mean, there's some jobs. There's actually one job and I won't get into which one that I actually took it at night and then turned it down again in the morning. And mm -hmm. one of the reasons is, you know, my kids were just distraught about leaving Rutgers. 
um, no, we can't, you know, and it just was like, oh, you know, right. knife to the heart. And, you know, obviously, if I was if we Christy and I both felt like it was the best thing for our family, we would have done it. But I think what happened is there was doubt there anyway. And the kids feelings just, you know, tipped it and God is good. Right. He, he, he gave us uh, direction, I think, when we were really looking for it. And sometimes it comes from your kids. Friends, we want to encourage you to please follow us wherever you listen to this, whether it's on the Apple Podcast app, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or one of the other platforms. It's completely free, you guys. This helps us out big time with the folks who track this stuff. If you haven't already, we want to encourage you to please rate or even write us a review on Apple Podcast. We need as many as we possibly can, even if it's just one sentence. Thank you for listening, you guys, and sharing us with your friends. Well, Coach, last year we had a conversation with um, Jeff Hardings, who I believe was at Penn State when you're on staff there back in the 90s. Yep. And he brought up some really fun stories about Penn State and Coach Joe Paterno. Okay. And so he talked about getting called into Joe Paul's office and getting like a come to Jesus meeting <laughs> of you can be a great player. Don't screw this up. Right. After his <laughs> freshman year. And he said that was the only thing he needed to hear the rest of his career there. So with, with you, you got a behind the scenes view of coach Paterno. Do you have any good Joe Paw stories from your time working with him at Penn state? Because he was, I mean, he had some incredible teams you were part of back in the nineties. Yeah, we really did. We had some great teams. We had a team in 94 that I think is one of the all time great teams in college football history. Um, but coach Paterno, there's not a day that goes by that. I don't use something that he taught me. Yeah, um, because I was, as you can imagine, I was, I was a GA at age 24, graduate assistant at age 24, and then I got hired full time at age 25, a couple wow. days after my uh, my 25th birthday, and quite honestly, I didn't know what I was doing, but I just kind of went full speed, and I remember we had a we had a uh, Jeff was Jeff was on that team, um, but when I got hired, we had a safety by the name of Darren Perry. Okay. Aaron Perry was an All-American player for us. And uh, I remember I had not played in the secondary as a college player. I played linebacker. I had only coached secondary for like a little over a year. And Coach Paterno gives me the chance. The guy who was the secondary coach left in June, which is an unusual time for the guy to leave a, a college job. And they looked around a little bit, and then he decided, well, we're going we're gonna to give this to, to Greg. Well, Coach decided it, and he calls me in, and I'll never forget it. He sits me down in his office, and he said, now, and, and his voice was classic, right? So I don't know if Jeff did the imitation of the voice, but he did not. Hey, Greg, uh, look, I'm going to give you two grand a month. Now, that's not 24000 a year because if this doesn't work out, you're going to be done four or five months. And I remember I was like, whoa. So a little bit like Jeff's story, I, I kind of got the hint. So I immediately went to Darren Perry, who was going to be a senior. And I said, Darren, I need your help, man. So literally I would like put in the game plan and I'd look to him. And if he gave me the thumbs up, then I knew I was doing it. And if he, well, coach, you sure we want to do that? I knew that that was more than a suggestion. And sure enough, we went on to lead the country in interceptions that year, that secondary. And literally I look back on it. It had to be the grace of God because I did not know what I was doing. Thank God for Darren Perry. Let's put it that way. At 25. I mean, you're like three years older than your players. Than the kids I was coaching. No, no doubt. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a great opportunity and one that I don't take for granted. So oh my it kind of gave my career a start. Well, 
we know you just wrapped up your recruiting, right, for the 2021 oh, class. Oh, I was going to talk to him about this, yes. And we, of course, we were talking beforehand. Coach, do you have any fun recruiting stories, right? Because us outsiders, we really don't know what it's like, right? We think you as a head coach flies privately all across the country. Kissing babies. Shaking hands, right? right? Show up to high school <laughs> and you're a rock star, right? But do you have any good stories from recruiting trips on the road over the past, you know, 30 years? Uh, I have, I have a, a, probably a boatload of recruiting stories because you can imagine, right? It's planes, trains, and automobiles. And oh, right. Into people's homes. So you eat a lot of meals that you really don't like and you pretend you like them, uh, uh, yes. you know, but um, yeah, there's, there's a ton of, I remember one, I was coach at Rutgers and myself and my assistant, we were down in uh, inner city, Miami. And okay. it was the Friday before Memorial Day. So it was the last day that we were allowed out in the springtime. And most coaches had called it a wrap, right? That was the end of spring recruiting and heck, time to go home. And, and we were always going to do just a little bit more. So we, my assistant and I, we go to this scrimmage. It's an inner squad scrimmage at an inner city Miami high school. And literally the entire field is surrounded with people. So it's a scrimmage. So I guess they let everybody on the field. So it's, it's got to be 1,000, 1,500 people standing around the field watching this scrimmage. And all of a sudden in the distance, I see like a mob of people kind of like moving as a mob. And the next thing I hear is pop, pop, pop. And it's no. gunfire. Well, the players hit the ground, coaches hit the ground, and everybody's standing around the field. We take off running. So I'm running. I don't know where I'm running. All of a sudden I see this um, – you know, like those storage, those metal storage containers yeah. they have. Okay. So I go duck behind one of them, and I can remember sitting there going, "I don't believe this. It's all going to end behind a storage, you know, container in Dade County on a day that I should be home. It's Memorial Day weekend. What am I doing here?" Well, sure, the police came and sorted it all out, but you never know. It was another time I was in inner in uh, inner city Dallas, and. I'm in the front office and all of a sudden the alarms go off. I think it's a fire alarm. Well, it's not a fire alarm. It is a, a, sh a gun alarm. Someone has a gun in the school. Oh, no. They shove me and the whole office staff in a safe. They, I don't know why they had this huge walk-in safe at the high school. And we're standing in the dark because the safe is shut. And we're standing in the dark, you know, like and this is before cell phones. So no one's like putting their cell phone up with a flashlight app. And I'm sitting there going, what are we, like, how long are we going to be here? So, yeah, there's been to many places, you know, I've been in in, uh, in Ohio. I've been to way out in, the, like, out where Jeff Hardings lives, way out yes. in the country, right? Like, I remember driving saying, where is this high school? And it was a Friday night. And all of a sudden you see these lights out in the distance. It's 20 miles away. You can see the lights. You know, it's <laughs> that flat out there. Coach, I want, want you to be careful. That's where my wife grew up. <laughs> Okay, it's so the best place for football. I don't know what your no, story is going to be here, but please be careful. It's be fascinating, <laughs> though, isn't it? Well, we weren't real popular. I tell you, in my time, I recruited the state of Ohio when I coached at Penn State, and I, we were not a real popular group with the Buckeyes because we had, we got some really players like Jeff Harding, some really good players out of that state. Right. Um, but yeah, John Carter, yeah, was here from John Columbus. Carter, Curtis Enos. There was a lot of great players that uh, that came from that area. That's true. That's true. Well, one thing we do want to ask you, right? We know everyone has a story, right? And, and I remember seeing an interview with, I forget what coach it was. And he was talking about the movie Rudy and how he was underwhelmed 
by the movie Rudy, right? Because Rudy was small in stature, became a walk-on, and he's like, big deal. He's like, I've got five players on my team right now who has better stories than that of something they've overcome in their life to get to this stage. So with you, coach, you being a leader of young men, you being in coaching, has there, you know, can you give us a moment where you're proud like a father at one of your players that has overcome a tragedy or something in their life to start on your team or get their degree at Rutgers or whatever? Does some, is there any example that come to mind? Yeah, I, I happen to have one that is um, ultimately was a tremendous tragedy, but then turned out to be one of the most inspirational stories that you can imagine. We had a, a young man on our team named Eric Legrand. Okay, I've, that, I've heard of him. Uh, he ran under a kid. He was a really a tremendous football player, and he's a local kid here in New Jersey. Very highly recruited guy that you know was one of the first big time recruits that we signed at Rutgers. And um, he's running under a kickoff. We're playing at MetLife Stadium where the Giants and the Jets play in, in just outside of New York City. And he hits this running, the uh, returner from Army, and literally it's a splatter. I mean, you could hear it in a big stadium. You could hear it crystal clear. And he hit him so hard that he broke the runner, the runner's uh, collarbone. Oh, wow. You, I knew immediately that something was wrong because – Right before contact, he ducked his head. And what, what ensued was he, he became paralyzed. And on that field, we didn't know if he was going to make it. It was one of the scariest things for as a coach, standing over, kneel, kneeling over my player, and, and he just couldn't breathe, you know, and he was scared. You could see the fear in his eyes. Well, they did a what was supposed to be an eight- or nine-hour surgery. It ended up being like a 12- or 13-hour surgery to try to save his life and try to try to help him, you know, be able to move. Well, still to today, he's a quadriplegic, but he has been an inspiration to so many. Um, he speaks motivationally. He has the best outlook and attitude on life of anyone I've ever, ever met. And, you know, we, I know his goal was to play in the national football league. So when I was the head coach at Tampa Bay, we actually signed him to a contract. So he was one of the 90 guys that counted on our roster for training camp. Really? And, uh, we brought him down and it was really, it was great. Our owners allowed us to do it and my GM allowed us to do it. And it, it was something that was really cool personally for me, but I know for Eric, but what he's done as a representative for Rutgers and what he's done just for young people, you know, sharing his story and sharing how hard he works. He continues to work in the belief that there's going to be a cure and that he's going to be ready, that his muscles are going to be ready, that when they find a cure for paralysis, that he, he is going to get that and uh, his muscles will be ready to, because he, 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 he and I both believe that he will go back to that spot on, on the field in MetLife stadium, lay down, get up and jog mm. off the field. So we pray for that day. And, and uh, you know, I do believe it's going to happen. You have goosebumps? I have goosebumps all over right now. That's, <laughs> but it also talks about perspective, right, Coach? It's your perspective on how you engage in a situation like this. You could either have like a poor me attitude or you could have a more I'm going to conquer this attitude. I'm going to inspire others. Yeah, for sure. That's amazing. So nothing around but flat land and farmland, right? Oh, we're going you back see, to Van Wert? Uh, no, we're going to Coldwater and St. Henry football. Mac, hello. Okay. So you see nothing but lights. And then... 
what is your impression when you see, because let's be honest, Mac football, high school football is nothing like any kind of football, in my opinion. What do you think of Mac football? I thought it was so cool how the entire town, the entire community is at the game. Like if you were a house thief, that would be the night. Right? Right. Friday night, you, <laughs> yes. could, you could make out like a bandit yes. because there ain't nobody back at the house. And I thought that the food at the games was outstanding. I mean, like, you know, you're used to going getting a hot dog in New Jersey at a game. I can remember one of the games I was, they had like this ground up beef on these, and, you know, they're just like sloppy joes, but it might've been the best sloppy joe I ever, ever had. Right. And people were so proud of their team and of yes. their, their town. That to me is, I mean, like it sounds corny, but Americana, right? I mean, it really is. Well, Coach, I went to one of those games, right? And they did the 50-50 drawing at halftime. And it was $10,000. I know. And I'm like, oh, dear God. I pray somebody's walking him to his car. And he doesn't get walked out in the parking lot. Because I never, like, my high school was like $150, $200, 50-50, not 10 grand. And so, you're right. Everybody shows up. Just, like, blew me away. Yeah. It's definitely uh, very cool to see. Well, listeners... For more information about Coach Chiano and his football team, you can go to Instagram at rfootball, or you can go to the website at scarletknights.com. Well, Coach, seriously, thank you so very much Thanks, for saying Coach. yes to us. You are incredible to talk to. So thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Hello, friends. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to support this podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts. You can rate and review this episode. Also, for those who have asked us how to financially support, you can go to kevinandsteph.com and order one of our books of You Met Her Where. Thank you so much for listening to Tell Us a Good Story.